Well, welcome and welcome back to the Bill Bennett Show with Bill Bennett. That's me. That is I. And Claude Jennings. Hi, Claude. Dr. Bennett, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. Interesting times. But we try to provide thoughtful conversation about the news of the day. We try to address the existential threats to America. We'll do that today. One of the things people believe is a threat is AI, artificial intelligence. We'll ask somebody who's got more intelligence than all the machines I know. Yeah, artificial or not, right? Yeah, artificial <laughs> or not. David Gerlander, he's a professor of computer science at Yale University, brilliant man, one of the targets of the Unabomber. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. So, David Gerlander, I, I want to talk to you about artificial intelligence. I want to talk to you about higher education and reform of higher ed and reading some of the things you're writing. Right. But first, I want to talk to you about the state of the nation. How are we doing? I think we're, I think we're finding, finding that in the end of the line, at the end of the line, we can't afford schools that teach nothing and, and colleges that do worse than teach nothing. I mean, I, I think we're finally seeing generations of young people graduate who really don't have a clue as to where they are or why they are here, as opposed to elsewhere, or what is expected of them. And many of them want to know. They're they're willing to do their duty. It's just that nobody has ever said that word to them before. Told them duty. What their duty is. Told them yeah, their duty. yeah. It's um, immensely frustrating to see these young people at Yale. I'm convinced they're as good as any young people in the country, maybe the world. But and they're eager to learn, most of them, and um, very capable of learning. But to arrive as a sophomore or something, junior at college, and and to learn nothing, maybe arithmetic and algebra, our, our, our arithmetic, our, our elementary mathematics instruction is going okay, and that's better. That's better than nothing. These guys cannot write, but they can read. They can get sense out of out of what they mm-hmm. read. Uh, most of them can't even begin to express themselves in writing. Although there are a few exceptions, and they tend to be Asians. Yeah. Yeah. Do they? Can you make an allusion to sailing to Byzantium or to John Milton or? Oh, to- boy, that was. Uh, you know, I, I, a couple of years ago, this came up when I mentioned Wittgenstein, just casually. I certainly don't expect them to have read Wittgenstein. It was difficult to read at best, but uh, to have heard of him, he's a major figure in the in the twentieth century. But then. I moved on to Beethoven, I, you know, yeah. who is Beethoven, and the and the deepest answer I got was a composer. And I said, well, what else about Beethoven? Was he the greatest artist who ever lived, do you think? Was he the greatest musician or composer? Where did he come from? There was nothing beyond that yeah. Um, yeah. trivial recognition. And this is criminal. I mean, you know, we keep passing... You know, accepting self-criticism, we should have done it differently, but we could, we ought to be doing it differently right now. And I've been exceeding or or wandering outside the bounds of my uh, uh, formal topics in, in a lot of ways. Because that's my responsibility. I mean, people complain about this. You know, I don't know how it will all come out. Uh, eventually, I'll retire, and I hope not too long. 
but um, I cannot let it go without having them put the time into learning how to write at least a little bit. Yeah. And um, having some concept of knowing what is going on in the intellectual world, which um, of which they have no clue. I mean, I, I just I just took a term a couple of terms ago as a more or less arbitrary example. The uh, intense arguments about Darwinism and neo-Darwinianism as an explanation for the emergence of species. It certainly explains the disappearance of species effectively, but every, ever since Douglas Axe, the mathematician at Stanford, started pointing out that with these kind of probabilities, the probability of ever using random genetic mutations, of ever developing a new species was uh, less than the probability of picking out one one correct electron out of the universe, in which there are uh, ten to the eighty seventh electrons. Uh, in other words, it just could never happen. That Darwinianism is is too uh, wildly off the mark. There's got to be some other mechanism. But uh, and this is generally agreed that it is agreed that it's an important topic to discuss among mathematical biologists and some geneticists. However, it's kept out of the mainstream, and most students in biology have never heard of it. I mean, they, uh, they get what was the consensus not even 10 years ago. I was hearing active discussions about this 10 years ago. They're going back 15, 20 years um, the advance of knowledge is uh, stopped dead in its tracks uh, when it doesn't conform to uh, yeah. absolutely crucial previous theories and ideas, preconceived ideas. Do you um, or um, do you or that Stanford mathematician believe that God breathed a soul into man and created him? Well, uh, you know the way this happens in the scientific community. As you would expect, there is a, a constant, rigorous effort uh, for the mathematicians and biologists to say, no, we're not religious. We have nothing to do no. with any kind of religious thought at all. You know, we're only talking statistics. Yeah. Um, and they have to say that because if they don't say that, they're immediately dismissed by the entire academic world yeah. as crackpots. Yeah. I mean, religion is so far away from the... Uh, mental universe of, of academics and intellectuals that they don't have a clue. They have, you know, just like the students, they have no idea what it is. I mean, when I ask students, uh, have you read the Bible? What have you read? Um, the numbers diminish year, year by year. Yeah, yeah. And nowadays, very few people can, can tell me anything at all. Uh, about either testament or any place in the body, they just have nothing to say. And uh, because we're we're now on the the children of the ignorant children, the ignorant children have now had children of their own who were ignorance squared or or, or you know to the tenth. Um, it's exactly what everybody was fulminating about, was worried about in the nineteen. 80s, uh, when that report came out, of course, 
uh, and the 90s and throughout this century, people have been worried every year, every month, and nobody's done anything. Well, there are. I'm, I'm, I truly appreciate those efforts at a few colleges where, uh, uh some faculty, uh, usually, well, a minority, but a substantial minority have organized a new program or a new school. Um, or there are new colleges, uh, Ralston College and several others. Um, so it's not as if they don't want to accuse the, the nation of just sitting around. Well, yeah. Well, I was just asked to name safe places to send your kid to college. Name 10. I said, oh, I don't have 10. <laughs> but but I do have Grove City yeah. uh, and I have Hillsdale. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think maybe the University of Chicago. It would be that that would be great if it were true. It's not true. It's not true. Okay. okay. Right. No, no, you tell me. Is it true? I don't. I have no reason to think it is. Yeah. All right. Okay. I mean, I know brilliant people there, as everybody does, and in a way, its history is more it has a more serious history than uh, Ivy League colleges and right. rah rah efforts like that, but. I don't really think, I don't get the impression overall from people I know there that it's any different considering the whole thing than uh, Yale or Princeton or Harvard. Or All right. Well, well um, apart from the universities, uh, and, you know, I was Secretary of Education 100 years ago. Yeah. I've written of course. I, I've written. You, we all know that. We wonder why. You can't be Secretary of Education again. I mean, I, I know yeah, not in yeah, a million yeah. years would you accept that job again, but we sure wish it would happen. Well, if Biden offered it, I might, because I'd be so curious as, as to why he would, but only for a couple of days, probably. <laughs> and anyway. Um, but that might be but, enough to turn everything upside down. But, you know, my phone rings now and emails when people say, or some people say, oh, you're still alive. Good. Okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, talk about a flattering uh, view. Of yeah, that. an opening, a flattering opening. Anyway. Yeah. Um, well, my uh, mother's but, but, 93 and doing fine, so. There you go. There you go. Yeah. But uh, but the calls are, are not about higher ed. They're about elementary and secondary. And why can't they read? Why can't they count? And what is this now about gender selection in 32, uh, God, sp- yeah. 32 states? say you can't interfere. Parents can't, quote, interfere. And and what is, what was the country doing while these wackiest of wacko, far leftist of of all leftists took charge of the agenda? I mean, I don't remember the moment at which suddenly we were talking about transvestites or transgender or whatever the hell they are. I mean, we're talking about there are people who are confused about their sex. I've heard of two such cases in my life. I've never met one. I mean, we're talking about a uh, it's something we can be very grateful is tremendously rare. So rare as to be, uh, you know, in the class of the rarest tropical disease, essentially non-existent for most people, for the, for you know, for all people. The probability is so low. You know, you're sooner going to get struck by lightning or die in the yeah, bathtub yeah, or something yeah. like that. 
Um, and yet, serious newspapers take this uh, this transgender and transvestite issue as if uh, as if you know a huge beer company is absolutely doing the normal thing and having a yeah. transvestite say, you know, you should drink the beer because I drink the beer instead yeah. of saying, I uh, feel. Sorry for me. I need to be in an institution. I am tragically in need of psychiatric and medical care. Send me money or something. That's the message. Well, anyway, it's uh, breathtaking. And 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 maybe the most breathtaking thing is is that you stop anybody on the street, and he knows it's absurd. I mean, certainly the young people. I deal with. They've been told a lot of stupid things that they believe politically, but not one of them has has ever come within five miles of being convinced that that sexual identity or something like that, or, or the way we treat transvestites or the whole phenomenon of of transgenderism is a real issue. I mean, it's what the left does in default of a real issue. I mean, yeah. the, fact that we're, the fact that we're even talking about this means the left is out of ideas. All of its ideas have either have either been installed in the country or have been shown to be laughable failures. It's got nothing more to offer, you know, after 30, 40 years of, uh, of success. What else has it got to do? I mean, transgenderism. Well, I, it's so absurd. They're not doing that in China, right? Uh, right. That's true. And, uh, and, and my Chinese students are among those who have the least patience, as you would expect. Yeah. I mean, they want to learn hard facts, hard, hard equations, how to do proofs, how to, uh, how to reason. They want to improve their English. But, you know, you're not going to find them worrying about transgender. Well, uh, the 40, there's 40% in the polls who agree with these laws, you know, quote, forbidding parents. What is that 40% about? Is that just to show that you're with it or hip or, but you really don't, but you really don't believe. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I think the whole idea of polls has been, okay. has, is n- no longer useful. I mean, when I was uh, doing research on a, on a book about the 1930s, I, I spent a lot of time looking at Gallup polls from that era when the Gallup poll was first introduced. And at first, you know, of course, for its opening decades, it asked a series of serious questions and it returned data that told you something about the mood of the country. But when you reach the point of asking poll questions that the average American has absolutely no interest in, I mean, most people have never in their entire lives worried about how we should, you know, treat the transgendered. So they make up an answer, whatever comes to mind, or, or whatever they think the poll taker wants to hear, if it's an attractive young lady, and whatever they think he doesn't want to hear, if it's someone who looks nasty. I, I mean, you know, these things are just completely yeah. out to lunch, and yet are taken so seriously by newspapers and uh, all sorts of other news outlets, uh, an abolition of polls for 10 years would, would leave us, I think, in much better shape than we could start again, having shaken off poll polling madness. 
But half the country, I guess, voted for Biden. I don't know how why they did that. Yeah. Because they, they couldn't stomach Trump? Well, I think because they've been told they couldn't stomach Trump. I mean, I don't, I don't think many voters focus a clear picture when they think of either Biden or Trump. I mean, they can see the man physically. But if you ask somebody, well, you know, how do their foreign policy views about Russia differ or what are their tax proposals? I mean, people don't, people, there's, there's so much news around and at the same time, so much non-news, so much entertainment, so many cable channels, so many video games that uh, people have shaken off, uh, you know, their situational awareness. It used to be that in, at least in, in school or high school, I know there was uh, there are many places that say learning how to read a newspaper. Well, you know, if it's a tabloid, it's simple. But here are the rules for reading a broadsheet newspaper. You know, you fold it this way, you fold it that way, and it, which took for granted that you were going to find something to read in it. But as m- my boys never had those, uh, you know, learning how to read a newspaper session, and um, it's just assumed that people in my classes. Never see a newspaper. Never pick one up. Never even look at it. If they have any news at all, it's what they get online, and um, they have no concept of of what an honest writer versus a biased writer is. They assume there is no such thing as an honest writer. That every writer is biased, mm-hmm. and that uh, leftist mm-hmm. bias is standard and has been proved correct again and again. Is this, I'm thinking of your opening comment and now this comment. Uh, Are we going downhill? Is this country going downhill, going down the tubes? Not possible. Absolutely not. I mean, we've been in in deep holes before. Uh, I mean, we had a civil war in this country with unbelievable slaughter and years after that in the South that were very hard for Many people to live through. Uh, we had a depression in the 30s. We had huge loads of immigrants in yeah, late 19th century, early 20th, for whom life was miserable. Um, if they had any brains, they 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 rearranged things and made it better. But it's not as if parts, large parts of the population, and of course the black population before before the 60s and 70s, large parts of the population have been in trouble, uh, been treated unfairly, have lived uh, in some ways miserable lives, and we've climbed out of that. And one of our biggest problems is that we refuse to celebrate our victories. I mean, when once Obama was elected, or even at some point earlier, somebody should have stood up and said, I am congratulating this nation. This nation was once bigoted and now is essentially unbigoted. I said that. People are. I said that. I said that on CNN. (laughs) Well, that's that. This is a great moment for history. Forget it. We're not a racist country. Goodbye. Right. And was there a parade as there should have been down uh, Fifth Avenue or wherever you have parades in Washington? No. I mean, the, the celebration should have been 
celebration all year long. I mean, it's an, a remarkable achievement for a country to turn around like that on a fairly ingrained cultural idea. Um, we don't celebrate our victories when we won the Cold War. Uh, you'd have expected uh, joy and triumph. I mean, it was a huge war and it was a huge victory. But the idea that we were going to celebrate it, maybe it was contrary to Bush's, H.W. Bush's worldview, but I don't, but that's, that's not really a, a solution. There were so many people who could understand what had happened and how enormous it was. Why didn't they organize the celebration the country desperately needed? Yeah. And now we've, uh, we've managed to, uh, turn that victory into uh, much less than we ought to have done, in part because we didn't see it as a victory. I mean, we didn't grasp the tremendous, uh, I mean, many people did, but the, but certainly NBC and ABC and CBS didn't. Certainly the New York Times didn't. And this is the ultimate source of most people's news. These are. Right, but we won't go down the tubes. I don't think it's possible. We are, our history... History is powerful in this country, maybe because it's so short. It's easy to have a picture of the entirety of American history, as it's not of, of, of English or British history or Israeli history. But you can hold in your mind the history of this country. People have some idea of it. When you know, throughout New England, there are um, 18th and even 17th century homes in good shape that are generally lovingly restored and kept in perfect condition and polished and people actually come to see them see yeah. them in, in, in fair numbers. Um, people have a, a sense of of who Abraham Lincoln was. They still have that sense, maybe just barely, but um, okay. it, it's too strong a trajectory. Um, too many immigrant communities before have showed up and taken it on their own shoulders to help pull the country forward. Okay. 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 I hope let's, so. talk, let's talk about artificial intelligence. Uh, You're not right. afraid of it. You're not afraid of it. Not terribly. Uh, it can't, uh, the robots can't turn on us. Well, in, in, in the hands of an evil minded person or a murderer, uh, or a crook, a robot can turn on you like a hammer can turn on you. I mean, I, you know, I have a, a bunch of tools and several hammers, and somebody could walk into the kitchen where they happen to be and pick up a hammer and murder everybody in the house. But I, there's not a great likelihood of that happening. Reasonable vigilance is called for. That is, you know, with children, you, you don't leave hammers lying around, and nobody picks up a hammer without bearing in mind that it's a murder weapon, that you don't just throw it around. or And I, I think those same um, reservations and cautious feelings uh, attend AI as it improves, but it's got so far to go. It's so, so, so primitive in its capacities compared to what a, a six-year-old child can do. Um, and that's for reasons that are rather deep in the culture of AI and computer science. There's a, there's a fundamental gap in, in the view of AI of, of how human thinking is achieved. 
not that the computer has to pretend to be a human, but you at least need to know what thinking entails. And um, the, uh, the gap is that um, the human mind thinks that it also feels. It thinks with its brain, and it also thinks with its body. I mean, an emotion is something you feel, something that happens to your body, or something that is generated within your mind that sort of mimics that. And uh, however, emotion, you, you cannot think without emotion. Emotion plays a fundamental role um, in gluing thoughts together and attaching one thought to another thought uh, and doing all sorts of fundamental things. And yet the field, you, you, you can pick up a, a huge 1,200-page AI textbook, the latest thing for uh, – uh, you know, weeks and weeks of reading pleasure, and 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 there's not a single mention of emotion in the whole thing, as far as one can tell. Certainly not in the index. It's not in. It's not a topic of any chapter one can find, and one can't find any reference to it of any kind at all. And in fact, when you try and investigate what uh, so-called cognitive scientists and even philosophers of mind who have more serious training, a background in philosophy, in some parts of philosophy, the way they define emotion is laughable. I mean, suggest that they've never thought about it and are not interested in thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, what about claims like this would be the worst scandal? In American history, government scandal, FBI, FBI talking to Twitter, FBI and Justice Department covering up for the Bidens, the corruption of, I mean, the belief in American institutions is a yeah. low on average. I know it's old. It's also true. People don't trust right. almost anything or anybody, you know? Absolutely. Uh, and, um, it's pretty bad, it seems to me, what happened to Trump. It's pretty, pretty bad. Absolutely. And um, most people in journalism believe what they're told. I mean, it used to be journalists were famous for skepticism. And many people have pointed out that the opposite is now the case. There's no more yeah. credulous class of, of persons in the world than, than uh, modern journalists. Yeah. Uh, and um, clearly the news industry has to change radically. We've got to hand out news in a different way. Uh, it's probably going to be glued on your computer screen because that's what people's eyes are glued to. But anyway, it's going to be a different format. It's going to be, I don't know, more of an anthology than a normal edited news sheet and one in which one can look up references on the spot, go as deep into the story as you like. Um, a, a different format with with obvious features, I mean, not magical features, but you obviously need the ability to search on politicization of the FBI, which while Hoover was in charge, uh, there was a certain amount of politicization, but it was one that Americans understood and basically approved of. Whereas if, if you look at the Department of Justice and the FBI today, uh, they the first thing you say is ignorant. They 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 think the New York Times is a country. I mean, they're they're applauded by by the liberal intelligentsia um, on both coasts, and that's you know point zero zero one percent of the country. But I think they're too stupid to understand that. I really think they're they're dumb. They lack IQ or however you want to put it. Um, I never see my smartest students say I want to work for the Department of Justice. 
Yeah. Or even, for that matter, I want to work for the FBI, which used to be, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a, an adventurous sort of thing, a manly thing to do, a fascinating thing to do, something that obviously served the country, something that involved shooting guns, which is something that boys enjoy, my boys enjoy. But I never hear, I, I don't hear that impetus. I mean, that's more at Yale. I don't you, don't the, say, you don't say that out loud, do you? No. A, man, a, a manly thing to do? Um, I do to students one-on-one. Yeah. -on -one. Yeah, I don't do it to a class because every class has got, you know, spies. It's exactly like, uh, well, uh, uh, you know, yeah. a conspiratorial situation. And um, I have enough... Uh, seniority so that there's no way the university is going to uh but in general you for saying manliness yeah right um it would it would be tough of them to do i and i and i have to say i've been moving in the direction of being a little more daring with my students for example uh talking about uh, the collapse of neo-Darwinianism, that is molecular-based yeah, yeah, Darwinianism, yeah, yeah. which certainly raised lots of eyebrows. And I talked to them briefly about um, the large phony element in climate change. Um, climate is changing, and there always have been oscillations of this sort, and uh, uh, the weakness of the evidence that suggests that this is more man-made than other climate change phenomena, and the utter irrelevance of the suggested steps that are being taken in the Western world, stuff like that. I mean, this was not even an entire class, but uh, that also generated uh, a lot of warmth of feeling. On the other hand, there, there there are always people in the class when you raise something like this who come after afterwards and say, thanks a yeah. lot. We wanted to yeah. hear that. We needed to hear that. Yeah. More often girls. And... Um, and and the most active are Asian Americans, yeah. Asians who have grown up uh, in this country and consider themselves Americans and speak with no accent and are completely part of American culture, but still have Asian genes and Asian parents who uh, I yeah. I guess are telling them to pay attention. Think. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I've I have thought at times, given this craziness in the schools and the sports, and Title IX, all that, that the destruction, or am I supposed to say deconstruction, <laughs> of the sexes uh, yeah. is, is part of the plan here. And so, I my recommendation has been to go back to Latin, right? Where every noun is either masculine or feminine, right? Or for that matter, Greek. Hebrew. Yeah. Okay. You see, you see these students at Yale, and you know, you look at the men. Ninety-eight uh, percent of all the thoughts they have are about girls. Yeah. In fact, the the, the eradication of the word "girl" is totally yeah. unacceptable. Yeah. It's the word "girls" used all the time. Uh, my very best. Former student who uh, graduated five or six years ago gave me her definition of girl as extending from 16 to 30, or in some cases to 35, and she gave me a list of requirements for being a girl. I mean, God, it's, it's the idea that we're not going to use this word because some idiot at Yale has decreed that we that we shouldn't, you know, as if we were France with an... Uh, 
the academy watching over every word we use is yeah. not acceptable and cannot be accepted, especially when it deals with the basic matter of, of life, the, the driver and the engine of all of literature, of all of art, of all of uh, family life, obviously. Yeah. This is not something to mess around with. And not yeah, who said who said uh, he she is the machine that makes fiction work right yes <laughs> yes it's hard to think about a novel before the last fifteen twenty years that doesn't center on a wedding or a marriage or a, the run up to a a wedding or the aftermath of a wedding this is the mm-hmm. way we live these are the things that count so ninety eight percent of the time these boys. Uh, if you can say girls, by God, I can say boys. <laughs> These boys are thinking about girls and will continue to, no matter what people tell them is proper to think about. I hope so. I don't think there's any way to change it. Yeah. I, I mean, it comes from such so deep biological sources. You know, it's not, it's not as if young boys become interested in girls because uh, intellectuals are propagandizing them, you know, and they're trying to yeah. get them interested. You can't stop a boy from being interested in a girl, barring abnormalities, genetic abnormalities. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, it's just the way we are. All right, all right. Girls, I, I, girls likewise, obviously, in a different yeah. direction. And to end with a different intensity. Yeah, in a, in a different way. Yeah. As is their way. Right. <laughs> yeah. I can't figure it out. 41 years of marriage, I'm still not sure I can figure it out. Yes, but nonetheless, vive la différence is is the same, just perfectly obvious to all of mankind. And yet, if I were to say it in a class of mine today, they they would be puzzled. I mean, they might try and puzzle it out, but it would be basically a mystery. You know, what's so? What are we talking about? Like, you know, what's different? Just by doing something simple and inoffensive, you can change change your life, turn it upside down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Yale but went to a succession of presidents from Benno Schmidt, who was a serious man and centrist politically or slightly conservative, through uh, uh, Robert Levin, an economist who was still at the university, who was a thoughtful uh, liberal who didn't do anything without going over carefully to um, uh, Soloway, who is just a leftist like other American leftists. You've, yeah. had, you've had your guys. I mean, you've had your guys. You've had your yeah great great thinkers. Your great historians, right? Yeah, yeah. And I I don't put it past us as an institution or past any other. American University to um, experience a revolution. I mean, that's what universities are for. Our current students are amazingly passive and lazy because that's what they've been taught to be. But there are, even at Yale, there's an active Buckley Society constantly holding meetings and agitations and has a tiny percentage of students, but is visible on campus. And uh, that's a good thing. What about the fact that a lot of people aren't going to college? Um, maybe it's a good idea. I mean, I think so. I think it is a good idea for a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, I would rather, I would rather see a, a serious effort to redefine college entirely, to redefine uh, what students are expected to, to get out of it, to change the institution so that uh, yeah. there's a mandatory year that you spend in Europe or in some other place. There's a 
a mandatory year in which you're you're working in a job but simultaneously learning something or other. I mean, needs to be changed. There's no reason why we should be following this nineteenth um, century German Heidelberg Heidelberg path. Yeah. I mean, it was a good yeah. path for a long time. No question yeah. about it. Doesn't seem to work today. Yeah, I wrote a book called oh, with another guy called "Is College Worth It," and he was a classicist. When when was that? Oh, I don't know, ten years ago. Uh-huh. And and I we had this thing and it, we, it offended a lot of people because we said no, it's not. Yeah. In a lot of cases, um, and what really bothered people is I had tables which were a return on investment. <laughs> and it's just, this is what you have to pay, and this is what you'll make when you get out. Right, right. And it infuriated them. And, and then and then someone said, wait a minute. I've heard you talk about the purpose of a university. You don't talk about making money. You talk about uh, my shorthand and save the soul and enlarge the mind, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, I said, yeah, but who the hell believes that anymore? Right. Right? Yeah, well, that's uh, an answer to turn off all dissent. Yeah, it's true. There are, but I mean, if you're, you know, I mean, half don't finish and they end up with debt. You know, um, ultimately, it seems to me the slow abolition of religion in this country, which hung on for so much longer than Europe, um, and made so much more gains for mankind yeah. because it did. Uh, but finally, after year after year, decade after decade of uh, craziness in the churches themselves in the synagogues in some cases, and uh, unmitigated contempt uh, by what seems to be mainstream culture from the uh, universities to the yeah. to the Times to the TV networks and the cable networks and all this. Uh, how are the young people in my classes supposed to know if they've been reared in a completely religionless uh, home, a home that doesn't even rise to the level of atheism. I mean, it's just uh, a topic that never occurs. Um, And yet everything in this country, everything the country stands for is, is based in religion or in philosophy. Ultimately, it seems to me the biblical influences are stronger. But this country is inconceivable without the Bible. And um, the, uh, the the informal creed of the United States is inconceivable without the Bible. The, the writings of the founding fathers could not possibly yeah, exist yeah. without their uh, without their close knowledge of of the Bible, whether they went to church or not. I mean, Thomas Jefferson knew as well as James yeah, Madison yeah. what was written there. Yeah, oh, you're right. We have you're we right. have to put it back. And from my point of view, it's a job for American. Christians and American churches, and for the life of me, I don't know why there isn't somebody standing on the Yale campus, a couple of Christian missionaries, stopping people who go by, as um, as your man Paul did some time ago, stopping people who go by and saying, I've got to tell you something, or let's talk about something. Where where are the where are the evangelical Christians? I, I mean, is as a fact, as, a, as opposed to a series of churches. I don't. I'm, I, I'm trying to think. Uh, Claude, are you are you with us still? I am. Mm-hmm. Right. Claude may remember. Who, you may remember David. There's a guy who's a Wall Street guy, or I mean, an investor. But, but then on on um, Friday Saturdays, he he puts on a T-shirt and goes down by the churches and gives out rosaries. 
You know who I'm talking about. You remember Claude? Sure. We've had him on our show two or three times uh, talking about yeah. that. Didn't get you back in the Catholic Church, Claude, did it? <laughs> no, but I was inspired. I was, okay. <laughs> I was inspired. I uh, know. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. And he said, um, you know, he'd give him rosary and he'd say, you know, come on, come on into church with me. And what you he have to said, do? And he said, most people, you know, ignored me or made fun or said they're negative. He said, but surprisingly, a number of people took the rosaries and promised they'd go to church. No one ever asked them. No one yeah. ever asked them, you know? I think it was Stephen Auth, correct? Was yeah. that our guy? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Auth, A-U-T-H, right? Yes, sir. Wrote The uh, Missionary of Wall Street. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, right. And for him. Absolutely. We just need... You know, a hundred times more. I mean, these are rare people. Well, let you go, David. I'm encouraged by what you've had to say. Um, well, I there are days I good. I hope, group. and I'm encouraged myself. I, I, I mean, I try to encourage myself because there's so many reasons for despair. No one knows better than you. I mean, it's uh, in many ways a grim picture. But we can't you give do. up. You know, no, never, 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 never. Yeah. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. If we've learned anything over the last few years, it's that unexpected things can happen. For example, average IRA and 401k balances fell 20% last year, according to Fidelity. We did not expect that. But here's something that could help you if you have an IRA or 401k physical gold in your IRA. The World Gold Council says even central banks are buying tons of gold. What does that tell you? Learn why many Americans are turning to gold IRA with Augusta Precious Metals. Mark Levin and Joe Montana, my favorite quarterback personally, or maybe Troy Aikman, but that's not the point. Joe Montana, Mark Levin endorse Augusta and recommend them to their friends and family. If you have an IRA or 401k, call Augusta Precious Metals to get their free ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Call 8444-BILL-IRA. That's 8444-BILL-IRA. Call Augusta Precious Metals today at 8444-BILL-IRA. All right, that does it for today's show. Catch up on previous episodes of this show. Go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at William J. Bennett, and like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. We get emails, don't we, Claude? We do get emails, and you can email billbennettpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. It's Bill Bennett Podcast at gmail.com. 